we are continuing um, in our series called Escape Plan. In fact, uh, we're going to finish up our series called Escape Plan today. And uh, we've been talking about the different pressures uh, that exist in life or different kinds of pressures that we are under and how we respond to those pressures. And all of us have escape mechanisms, whether, uh, whether we know it or not, all of us have escape mechanisms in our life. Some of us uh, think we're big and, and brave and bad and, and we think we're tough and, and we don't escape anything. But the truth is, all of us have escape mechanisms. Some of us, it, it, we, we have physical escape mechanisms. Some of us, it's more psychological or emotional. And uh, hopefully, as a follower of Jesus Christ, for those of us in the room who are, we have spiritual escapes. And in fact, what we've been talking about, we've been looking at the life of Jesus, and we've been looking at how Jesus modeled escaping in a healthy way to us in our life. Because if you and I aren't intentional about how we escape the various pressures that exist in life, then what will happen is that we develop unhealthy escape mechanisms, and those unhealthy escape mechanisms not only negatively affect us, but they negatively affect our relationships, they negatively affect the world around us. And so hopefully we we have learned together over the last couple of weeks some positive escape mechanisms that we see modeled in the life of Jesus. Escape isn't weakness, it's wisdom when it's done in a healthy way. Escape is not weakness, it is wisdom when it is done in a healthy way. And Jesus has modeled for us how to escape pressure in a healthy way. Pressure exposes vulnerability, and therefore vulnerability left unattended will overwhelm us. We've been looking at this quite extensively over the last couple of weeks. Jesus himself dealt with all kinds of pressure. First week, we talked about the fact that Jesus was tempted. The Bible says that he was tempted in all ways, just like you and I are tempted. The difference between Jesus and and you and I, is that Jesus was tempted and he never sinned. Every one of us in this room have sinned. Every one of us have missed the mark. Every one of us have fallen prey to temptation. Jesus did not. He was tempted and he did not sin. Temptation is a form of pressure and pressure exposes the vulnerabilities in our lives. A few weeks ago, I told you guys on Easter Sunday, um, we got home from church and uh, we, were, we were just doing some things around the house, and uh, Griffin came in, and he said, Hey, Dad, I don't know if you've noticed, but at the bottom of, uh, of, the bottom of our garden, he said, there's a huge puddle of water, and there's, there's water shooting up out of the ground. Uh, you know, Easter, Easter didn't go quite the way that I had planned it to go, because a vulnerability existed in that plastic pipe that had been buried in my yard for only who knows how long, and over time, that vulnerability under pressure became exposed and exploded, and there was literally water shooting up out of my ground, and I had to dig down almost a meter to find the little hose and the little crack. It was just a tiny hairline crack, but it created a huge mess in my garden because pressure over time exposed the vulnerability. 
in your life and in my life pressure over time, whether it be temptation, whether it be stress from work, whether it be pressure of expectations of others around us, pressure over time exposes vulnerabilities. And therefore, if I am not mindful of the vulnerabilities that exist in my life, if I don't attend to the vulnerabilities that exist in my life, what will happen is that a mess will get created. I didn't know, I didn't understand that this fragile plastic pipe had been buried in my garden. I didn't know that's how plumbing was run. I expected there to be a some sort of metal pipe in the ground that handled the pressure. I didn't know that was the way it was built. I didn't attend to aging pipes in my garden because I didn't know they exist. I don't know anything about plumbing, by the way. Thank the Lord for Pastor Dylan. And Pastor Aaron, who helped me that day, plugged the leak or my yard would have just completely washed away. Unattended vulnerabilities create a mess in our life. If we don't know about them, if we're not mindful of them, they will bring destruction into our life. Jesus... Jesus dealt with pressure, but because there were healthy patterns in his life, he was able to attend to any place where the enemy might thought, thought he might have a vulnerability. And so as a result, Jesus never cracked under the pressure. The question for you and I is how many times do we crack under the pressure because we're not attending to the vulnerabilities that exist in our life? In Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through, 12 through 16, it says this, now... When he heard that John had been arrested, this is talking about Jesus. When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Sebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Again, this is a story about Jesus. This is early in his ministry. And as he is in his ministry, he's in Nazareth, he's in this place, he's doing ministry, he's really productive. All of a sudden, he finds out about the fact that John the Baptist has been arrested. And when he finds out that John the Baptist has been arrested, the Bible says that he, he, he withdraws from what he's doing and he goes to this other place. He he attends to the vulnerability that all of a sudden exists in his life because Jesus literally was in danger at this point. And so being in danger and his ministry being in danger, being under that pressure, the Bible says that he hears about this and so he leaves where he is and he physically takes himself somewhere else. You see, Jesus' pattern of escape intentionally aligned him with God's purposes. I could have read you passage after passage after passage this morning about Jesus withdrawing when he was under pressure. I could have read you several examples. In fact, the Bible says that often Jesus would get away from the crowd and he would go away to a, a lonely place or a desolate place or the mountain or he would go to the wilderness and he would get alone and he, so that he might pray and so that he might be refreshed. I could have read you multiple passages this morning, but the reason I read you this passage is because it shows very clearly a pattern that existed in the life of Jesus. And this pattern is this. 
this is that when he was under pressure, when he was under threat, when things were mounting in his life, that instead of allowing that vulnerability to create a brokenness in him, that he withdrew so that he might be aligned with the will of the Father. What I read to you, the writer says very clearly that Jesus went to a specific place. And I found it so fascinating. It says that Jesus went to this specific place and by going to this specific place, he was actually fulfilling prophecy. If there's nothing you have, uh, if there's nothing you have heard or will hear this morning, I want you to hear this. Everything that you read in the Gospels about Jesus exposes the fact that Jesus lived an incredibly intentional life. Everywhere that he went. Everything that he said, everything that he did was intentional. And its intentionality was to bring him into alignment with the purposes and plans of God for his life. Even when the enemy tempted him, even when the enemy put him under threat, the Bible says that he aligned with prophecy. He aligned with what God had already planned for his life. You see, in your life and in my life, if we're going to deal with pressure, if we're going to deal with temptation, if we're going to deal with the things that mount and pile up in our lives, we learn to deal with those by becoming highly intentional people. Let me say it this way. Many of us crack under pressure because of the lack of intentionality that exists in our life. We spend too much of our time, too much of our energy, whether it be physical, spiritual, or emotional energy on things that are unintentional. And as a, as a result of our lack of intentionality, we consistently leave ourselves exposed to the threat of the enemy. I could take you through story after story after story in scripture of when men and women of God were unintentional with their time and their energy, whether it be spiritual, physical, or mental. And that lack of intentionality exposed them to the threat, the temptation, the pressure of the enemy, which led to destruction in their life. See, temptation... Attempts, we learned this last week, temptation attempts to normalize thoughts, actions, and behaviors that compromise alignment with God. Temptation attempts to normalize thoughts, actions, and behaviors that compromise alignment with God. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to get you to normalize things that take you away from God's purpose, his plan, his destiny, his word, the things that he has said about you, the promises that have been declared over your life. He's trying to get you to normalize coming into agreement with disagreement over God's word in your life. And unfortunately, because of lack of intentionality in my life, because I flippantly spend my time, I flippantly spend my emotional energy, my spiritual energy, my physical energy on just whatever happens to come along that day. I leave myself exposed to the work of the enemy. Jesus, on the other hand, lived his life in continual intentionality, aligning with what God had said about him and what God's purpose for him was. Jesus 
he showed us an example of how we overcome pressure. I read uh, over the last couple of weeks from 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 in my message, and we're going to look at that again and go a little bit deeper into 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because, you know, here at North Place, we're not going to give you scripture without context, and we're not going to let you use scripture as a, a bumper sticker, a meme that you, paste, that you post on your social media. We don't just do that. We understand what we're talking about when we talk about scripture. Scripture isn't a self-help slogan. It's not a verse that I just grab and just apply it any way that I want. And so it's important to us that we understand. So we're gonna, we're gonna dig into 1 Corinthians chapter 10 a little bit so we make sure we understand what we're talking about when we read verse 13 and it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That sounds like a powerful verse of scripture. It empowers me when I understand that God isn't going to leave me without escape. Instead, the Holy Spirit living inside of me provides with me, within me, the capacity that I need to overcome any temptation, any pressure. But I have to understand it in light of 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What is, what is the writer really talking about? See, it's important that I understand that my threshold, that your threshold for pressure is not the problem. It's your pattern of addressing it that's crushing you. Temptation isn't the problem. It's how you deal with it that is the problem. The pressure from work, I love you, don't get mad at me. Don't leave the church, at least over this, don't leave the church. It's not pressure at work that's the problem. It's how you handle it. I know the world, I know social media, I know everything in the world wants you to believe that you're a victim, that you should be paralyzed by anxiety and fear. I know the world wants you to, wants you to lose your agency and to feel like you're just crushed under everything and that the problem is the pressure, the problem's not the pressure. That's the lie of the devil. He wants to steal your agency. He wants you to be a victim. He wants you to have that label and he wants you to wear it everywhere you are and that label defines you and you're powerless and you're a victim to the world. The enemy, the slave master, that's what he always does. The slave master always steals your agency. Understand, everything that disempowers you is not from God, it's from the devil. Any label, every, any mindset, any mentality, that makes you a victim is not from God. It doesn't mean you haven't been victimized. It doesn't mean bad stuff hasn't happened to you, but that's not your identity. The enemy, however, wants it to be your identity. He wants it to be your label. He wants you to feel disempowered. He wants you to have, he wants you to have that, that, that weight that you wear on yourself that says that you're powerless. On the other hand, what God has said about you is that, hey, there's no pressure. There's no pressure that can come on your life that is bigger than you, that can overwhelm you. The Bible says that God has provided a way that you can escape whatever, whatever pressure. So the issue is not the pressure. The issue, the issue is how am I addressing it? What pattern exists in my life when I address it? So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because... 
Paul was talking particularly about a group of people who, although they were religious, their pattern for dealing with the pressure in their life had exposed them more to the work of the enemy and was crushing them. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-5 through 5 says this, For I do not want you to be unaware. If you go read that in original language, I like it. Um, you can translate that word a lot of ways. I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be ignorant. I wish, I wish this version would have said it that way because that's the way I like to say it. I don't want you to be an idiot about this. I don't want you to lack understanding about this particular issue, brothers and sisters. Our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, get this, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, Paul is addressing this. He's particularly addressing the Jewish people who were, had become Christians. And he's saying to them, because many of them were drawing on their identity as Jews to, to be the security in their relationship with God. And yet many of them were being overwhelmed uh, with sin and overwhelmed with brokenness in their life, although they had this this spiritual and this religious heritage. And Paul, in writing this letter to them, says, listen, our forefathers, they had Moses, they had the law, they went through, they, they were led out of Egypt, they were led through the wilderness in the promised land, and I don't know if you've ever read this story before, but it's kind of crazy. They had this rock that literally went around with them everywhere they went, and when they didn't have water, water came out of the rock. That's crazy, right? crazy, right? Paul says, look, they had this spiritual rock, this rock, and oh, by the way, that rock really was Christ. They had all of this testimony of truth. They had all of this knowledge. They had all of this information. And yet, even though they had a testimony, even though they had a heritage, even though they had a promise, even though they had a magic rock that gave them water, they still screwed up over and over and over again in the wilderness. What in the world? I don't know, guys. If I had a magic rock following me around everywhere, I don't know that I would have a hard time trusting God. I like to think that, right? If I drove to work and got here and there's this magic rock coming behind, I'd like to think that I'd be able to go to work that day and no matter what bad stuff happened, I would be able to trust God because I got a rock. Like, let this sink in a little bit. Hello? And load shedding wasn't a problem because they had this pillar of cloud by day and fire cloud at night. Turn off the power, Egypt. I don't care. I got a fire cloud. And Paul is saying, look, if people who have fire cloud... If people who have magic rock, if people who have a heritage going all the way back to Moses cracked under the pressure, what about me and you? Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Magic fire cloud, magic rock, 
heritage going all the way back to Moses, it isn't going to help you. It isn't going to help you if you're not aligned with who your real source is. You're going to get confused. You're going to fall under the pressure. See, the vulnerabilities that lead to compromise expose the extent of our relationship with the Father. Some of us have fooled ourselves. We have said, well, if God will answer this prayer for me, I'll never fail him again. God, if you'll do this for me, I promise you I'll never do that again. Please don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever said that to God? And then you ended up doing it again and again. And God, if you just come through for me right now, God, in the same way that you came through for Moses, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, you're my father. Now I need a fire cloud right now. If you'll just give me a fire cloud, I'll never fall again. Fire clouds blazing bright. The heritage is still there. The story of when God answered that last prayer and the one before that and the one before that. They're the song of your life. They're the testimony of your story. And yet you're staring into your situation right now and you're questioning, where is God? Why isn't he doing this? Why am I facing this? Vulnerabilities that lead to compromise, expose the extent of my relationship with the Father. These people had God's provision over and over and over again, and yet they still had a dysfunctional relationship with God. Overcoming pressure in our life, escaping, escaping pressure, escaping temptation, doesn't come through having our wishes granted. It doesn't come even through having our prayers answered. It comes through relationship with God. History has taught you, history has taught humanity that God can answer their prayers over and over and over again. If they don't have right relationship with him, their hearts will still be vulnerable to pressure. These people had all of the testimony in the world and yet they still struggled with hearing God. Here's the thing, friend. God makes it very clear to us, you and I, you and I, if we have right knowledge without right boundaries, it's going to equal wrong relationships in our lives. If we have right knowledge without right boundaries, it's going to equal wrong relationship within our, in our lives. I want you guys to go back for me uh, for the slide in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1-5. through 5. I'm going to read it again. Because I want you to hear this. I want to read this to you again. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. were all baptized in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate the same spiritual drink and all drank the same spiritual drink. They, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. You see, you can have right knowledge you can come to church every Sunday and you can hear Pastor Andy and you can listen to your favorite preachers during the week and, and you can have all the right knowledge but without right relationship, without, excuse me, without right boundaries, it's always going to equal the wrong relationships, the wrong sources in your life. What do you mean by that? Well, if you continue to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, what you find is that these people, they had the law, they had this knowledge 
They had this information. They had what some of us may refer to as they had revelation. They had clear revelation and they had provision. They had revelation and they had provision, but they didn't have healthy boundaries in their life. If you keep reading first, uh, excuse me, if you keep reading and you, and you read on down, what scripture says is, is that they went about their lives, verses 6 through 12. Now, now these took these things took place as examples for us, talking about the same people, that we might, we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters. Wait a second. People who God had provided manna in the wilderness, the law of Moses, remember, light, fire, show on the mountain. God gave them the direct word. God showed up and said, hey, I'm here, I'm gonna be your God. Let me demonstrate that to you by leading you. There's gonna be a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. You can see that, let me provide for you. Man in the wilderness, let me give you a magic rock that gives you water. And yet these, these people continued to struggle with idolatry. Think about it. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it was written, get this, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. What? The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They'd pull up to the table and eat their manna and then they would get up and play. What is he referring to when he says they would get up and play? They would drink out of the cup where the water came out of the rock. They would eat their manna and then they would get up and with lack of intentionality, with lack of maturity, they would go play with things they weren't supposed to be playing with. Think about the irony of this for a moment. God had provided all of this in their life. God was clear and obvious in their life, and yet they still got up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to test. Hmm. As some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. But they were written down for our instruction. Oh, it's not by accident, honey. All these things are written for a reason. Is written for a reason about how we live our lives with carelessness. How we run our mouths with carelessness about a God who's provided manna in the wilderness. How I carelessly grumble and complain about the fact that I'm eating manna and not quail. And I carelessly gripe and complain and take for granted all that God has done for me. And I flippantly just put it away and I... Constantly indulge my mind, will, and emotions in the struggle of the pressure that I'm under or that my flesh is under from not getting what I want or I think I deserve. All of this was written down for a reason, and the reason is so that we're not destroyed as they were destroyed. So many of us are we're singing that song about Egypt, and I'm coming out, and I'm coming, and we're we're just like them. Yeah, we're coming out of Egypt, but we're being destroyed in the wilderness because just like them. We're carelessly getting up to play in spite of the provision. Just like them, just like them, we're practicing idolatry. Just like them, 
were grumbling and complaining. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Now remember, this entire passage is centered around this idea that no pressure can come into your life that has the power to destroy you. And Paul is saying, hey, if you're going to stand against the pressure that's in your life, if, you really are gonna, if you're really going to take a stand, if you're really going to overcome the vulnerabilities in your life, then guess what? You can't behave like those forefathers who practiced idolatry, forefathers who behaved like children or were childish in how they handled the provision and the promises and the declarations that God had made about the, the, the people who came before you who in spite of having the name of God on them still practiced idolatry who although having God providing for them weren't satisfied and continued to gripe and complain who allowed pressure to be something they indulged instead of something they resisted. Mark chapter 6 verses 30 to 32 says the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. The passage that I read to you is another time in which Jesus got away from the pressure. The reason I read it to you is because it's interesting. The first passage that I read to you where Jesus got away he found out that John the Baptist had been arrested. This time, Jesus has found out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Both of them are related to his cousin John. And the threat that existed to Jesus and that was uh, people in his life that he loved and cared about were having to deal with. And both times, Jesus' response to those situations of coming under threat was that he got away. He physically moved himself out of the situation and he moved to a place in which he could get connection and relationship and clarity with the Father. The first time Jesus was early in his ministry, this time seeing that his disciples were dealing with the same pressure and heartbreak that he was dealing with, said, hey guys, come, let me show you this pattern. Let me show you how to get away when the pressure is too much. You see, Jesus' pattern of escape intentionally aligned him with God's purposes. I said this to you earlier. I wanted you to hear it again. And he was modeling to his disciples under pressure. When you're under pressure, what you've got to do is to make sure this aligns with God's purposes in my life. Not my flesh, not that what undermines God's purposes in my life, not what, indulge, not what indulges my stress, my pressure, my fear, my brokenness, but instead clarity around what God says. Those, those people we were talking about who were in the wilderness, when they came under pressure, instead of aligning, this is what God has said about us, this is what God has provided us, this is our heritage, instead they just indulge, they indulged their flesh. They behaved immaturely. I want to say something to you today, and I believe, I believe it will help you if you'll hear me. I, I remember Desert and I were talking this week. I remember um, in my life, whenever I heard this, we were um, we were we were younger and uh, we were under a lot of pressure. The work we were doing at that time, and um, 
And I remember during that season, I was in a I was in a service, and a leader in my life was speaking that day, and he made a statement that revolutionized my life, and it it revolutionized my life because it was so different than what I was hearing from the world around me and even other voices in my life. And he said this. He said, and he wasn't just talking to me. He was talking to a room full of people. He said, you have to understand you are not entitled to entertainment. He said, your world and the enemy of your soul is trying to convince you that you are entitled to entertainment. And he said, many of you, many of you, if you are not intentional and mindful about what you're using to manage the pressure in your life, the very things that you're going to for entertainment have been sent, sent by the enemy of your soul to destroy you. And because you believe you're entitled to entertainment, you're practicing idolatry. Because you believe that you're entitled to entertainment, you're behaving like a child who eats and drinks and gets up to play and flippantly treats what God has provided for you, what God has given you, what God is doing in your life. And I'll never forget how that revolutionized my life because in that season when I was under a lot of pressure and I was trying to establish healthy patterns and healthy boundaries in my life, one of the things that I, I was being told and that I thought was, well, entertainment is a right. I should just be entertained. My flesh wants this, so I, I've got to find an outlet for my flesh. And here's the deal. If I follow the pattern of my father's according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and I'm not mindful about the entertainment, if I'm not mindful about my time and my energy, if I'm not mindful about my mouth and my attitude, if I'm not mindful about these things, it will be the very thing the enemy uses to sabotage me. But many of us have believed the lie. And because we believe the lie, we inundate our lives with entertainment so that we might escape the pressure. Can I tell you something? God wants you to escape the pressure. But he doesn't want you to escape the pressure with things that look like idolatry. He doesn't want you to escape the things that causes you to violate the covenants that, you, that exist in your life. For those of you who are married, the covenants that exist with the people that you're married to. For those of you who are not married, the covenants that you've made with your eyes and your ears. The covenants that you've made with God. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. God wants to lead you to a place of freedom, not a place of shame and guilt and condemnation. Here's the thing. Anything that I indulge that creates shame, that, that creates isolation in my life, it is not from God. If I have to hide it from other people, it is not from God. It's a good rule of thumb in your life. If I would be embarrassed if my mom walked in, it's not from God. Sir, if your little girl walked in, would you be embarrassed? If you would, it's not from God. No, Randy, there are some subjects that are just... Hello? No, you don't understand. I can read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
people with fire clouds and magic rocks died in the wilderness because they were sidetracked. Even though they had revelation, even though they had provision, it wasn't revelation and it wasn't provision that got them to the promised land. It was a relationship with God. Well, that was, that was just really good preaching right there. Some of you want revelation so bad. You're chasing revelation. You're, 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 you're hunting down YouTube videos for revelation. Turn it off. Get a relationship with God for yourself. You don't need prophet so-and-so. You need Jehovah. You already have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Learn to hear his voice. Many of us have allowed ourselves to be commodified by the enemy and we've fallen into his pattern of escape that is not healthy. Jesus' pattern of escape was not checking out, it was checking in. And unfortunately, friend, many of us have fallen into a pattern in our lives that we believe escaping the pressure of temptation, the pressure of work, the pressure of family means that I have to check out. Can I tell you something? Anything that causes you to disengage, that causes you to check out in a way that isolates you from other people or robs other people of your blessing and your voice in their life is not from God. We've believed the lie of the devil that, oh, I just have to, I just have to chill. Where has that gotten you? Where has it gotten me? What has it produced in my life? Has it healed me? Has it healed my relationships? We've believed a lie from the devil. Jesus, yes, he broke away, but he didn't just break away so he could play. He broke away so he could be with his father. He didn't break away so that he could indulge his lust. He didn't break away so that he could indulge his lower self. No, he broke away to escape the noise of the enemy so that he could come in tune with his father and be refreshed and renewed. And being refreshed and renewed didn't come from idolatry. It didn't come from things that would produce shame and brokenness in his life. It came from communing with God. Some of us have believed a lie that it's okay. I, some time ago, several months ago in my sermons, I talked about, and we read through many verses of Scripture, and, and I showed you this over and over and over again. A part of the process of the enemy's work in our life, and I believe it is, I believe it is the moment that we live in. Everything in our world is convincing us that we need to numb ourselves. And you read it over and over again in Scripture, the, the enemy would attack God's people and what he convinced them to do, if I can't overcome them, let me convince them to numb themselves. Because if they numb themselves, now they're vulnerable. Many of us spend so much time numbing ourselves. And we think that numbing ourselves is somehow healing ourselves, but that's not at all what scripture teaches us. When Jesus went to the wilderness to be with the Father, he wasn't going there to check out. He was going there to check in. God, what are you saying? What is truth in this situation? What is your word? 
I, I, I understand that I feel this. My cousin has just been beheaded. My life is under threat. It feels like it's not my time. God, what do you say? Who am I? What am I supposed to do in this situation? He removed himself from the noise to restore the rhythm of communion with the Father. And really, friend, that's the question. It's the question I have for you this morning. What does communion look like in your life? Oh, pastor, communion is that thing that we do on the first Sunday of every month. Yes, we as a community, we practice the Lord's table on the first Sunday of every month. But that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where, does, where are you communing in your life? What are you communing with? Who are you communing with? Your alone time, your checkout time, your chill time. What is it communing with? Is it communing with a spirit that's adding to your grumbling and complaining that just makes you more depressed, more upset, more angry, more bitter, more disenfranchised, more feeling like a victim? Is it communing with a spirit that that speaks to your brokenness and your insecurities? And yes, it looks like it looks like you're fulfilling your lust, but what it's really doing is telling you that you're not enough and that you're not attractive enough, and that no one loves you, and no one's... Come on, somebody, are you with me today? See, we have to understand, Paul made it very clear. 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 10, verses 22-23. Get this, see this. No, I apply, I imply, that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants... With demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. I got to finish, because I got to finish this series. You got to get this. Did you notice in this passage that Paul said, listen, should we tempt Christ with what we play around with? Do you remember from week one in this series, the very beginning of this series, when Jesus was tempted by Satan? What did, what did Jesus respond to Satan? He said, I'm not going to tempt God. Jesus demonstrated a pattern for us where he wasn't going to play with the enemy. And yet these people in the wilderness, what were they doing? They were tempting God as they were playing with demons. They were not intentional and immature about how they spent their time and their energy. And as they were not intentional and immature in how they spent their time and their energy, they became subjected to the pressure of the enemy. And the Bible says they were lost in the wilderness. And as Paul breaks it down, he says, hey, let me make this really clear to you. Let's talk about what you're communing with. You can't, on the one hand, come to the table of the Lord and partake of the cup and the bread and the table of the Lord. And on the other hand, go share the table with demons. He said, because these people were immature and they were childish and they were not mindful of how they were using their time and energy and loyalty, they were communing with demons and it led to their destruction. Why are we confused? If you commune with devils, what do you think you're going to reap in your life? If I fill my mind with garbage, what am I going to reap in my life? 
If I watch 26 hours in a 24-hour day of Netflix nonsense that dishonors God and other human beings, what do I think it's going to produce in my life? It's only 24 hours in a day, I'm just saying. Some of us seem to squeeze a lot in. Hello? I don't understand. Why do I keep falling into this sin? Well, what are you feeding yourself? I don't understand. Why do I, why do I keep having this problem in my life? Why do, I have, why do I have this anger problem? Well, what are you feeding yourself? What are you communing with? As he talks about this grumbling mouth, some of us just let our mouths just run and run and run. And we find ourselves singing along with the chorus of demons. We come into agreement. We speak over our nation. We speak over our government. We speak over our brothers and sisters. Not the chorus of God. Not the word of God over our life. We're just joining the song of the enemy. And then we don't understand Why is this fruit being produced in my life? We're involving ourselves in idolatry. Clicking like after like after like after like after like. On people who are not in relationship with God. We platform and support ideas and concepts that are contrary to God's grace, His mercy, His love, His truth. And yet we don't understand the fruit. That we're reaping in our lives. Is your escape plan. Communion. With the enemy. It's just a question. What is your escape plan. Is your escape plan. Communion. With Hollywood or Bollywood or wherever else. Is your escape plan. Communion. Oh, it's, it's not bad, Pastor. It, uh, yes, it's a little bit spiritual, but it's not a big deal. I like those scary shows. I mean, it's murder, mayhem, witchcraft. I, and I, I, don't, I don't take it seriously. Well, you may not take it seriously. Look, I only, I only preach the truth because I love you. It's the truth. I really love you. I really want to see you be healthy. I really want to see you get to a place in your walk with Jesus where you're no longer a victim of every attack of the enemy that comes along just to demoralize you, just to rob you of your dignity. Just to reinforce the lie that you're not good enough, that you're not chosen. I love you. It's because I love you, not because because I want your harm, it's because I want your good, that I'm telling you the truth. It's not because I want your likes, it's not because I want your favor, it's not because I want your pat on the back. It's because I love you, because I want to see you healthy, and I want to see you grow. And the only way you and I can be healthy and grow is that we read scripture for what it says and not just what makes me feel good. And what it says is that there has to be healthy boundaries in my life. 
And those healthy boundaries mean that I'm aligning myself with what God's word says, that I'm aligning myself with righteousness, and that I am aware that I am not immature, that I am not childish, that I am conscious of where I put my time and my energy and my allegiance. And my time, energy, and allegiance must be given to things that bring me into alignment with the truth of God's word. Luke chapter 5 Verses 15 through 16 says this, But now even more of the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he withdrew to desolate places and pray. Jesus modeled very clearly in our lives how to, how to escape in a healthy way. Escaping in a healthy way means that I establish boundaries and that I lean into relationship with the Father. I establish healthy boundaries and I lean into relationship with the Father. 